0: Tuesday business meeting I'm required three times a this is my third time business meeting Tuesday year end business meeting 7.30 p.m. I checked the calendar that's when it is 7.30 p.m. come and be a part of that if you have any type of investment in the church and again I'm not just speaking monetarily but your time if you have any type of investment in the church please come be a part of that amen so that you can see the financial status of this assembly amen Sadly, I wish we could just run on the Spirit and we could just, you know, send them an envelope with a check that said we had a Holy Ghost service Sunday night. And that would take care of it, but it don't. Uh, We live in a real world and Jesus even had the disciple to catch a fist and get the coin out of the mouth to pay the taxes. So, we render to Caesar's what is Caesar's and we render to God what is God's. Amen. And that's the word of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 42. Jeremiah chapter number 42. Turn there with me. We'll be reading starting at verse number 15. Jeremiah 42. Hasn't the Lord been good to us the past couple? He's always good to us. Haven't we been in tune with God the past couple of Sunday mornings? I think that's a better way of saying it. Haven't we been in tune with the Lord the past couple of Sunday mornings? mornings I don't want to say haven't the Lord been good to us as though all the other times he hasn't been because I know that's a lie that, that's incorrect but isn't it being good to be in tune with the Lord amen this, this, this Sunday and last Sunday two people filled with the Holy Ghost last week and this week that's tremendous it really is it really is it makes me just show up to church and say I wonder who he's going to feel today See, it does something to your expectation, does it? Does it not? Because now you start coming thinking, I wonder who it's going to be today. Because you can get in the mode, well, it don't happen. It's not going to happen. This is the way. But whenever it happens, then you're like, when's the next one? Huh? Oh, amen. Amen. So let's see what the Lord will do. Remember, in the month of February, my wife is teaching on Wednesday nights concerning marriage. Brother Mason has two Sundays. I think it's the two middle Sundays of the month on Sunday morning. Uh, He's going to be speaking concerning communication. And so we tried to be very well-rounded around here. Very well-rounded. Just as the Word of God, there are very much so spiritual things, spiritual applications that we speak about. And then there are also like the book of James, other very practical or the book of Proverbs, very practical things we speak about. And so with some of these things that's going to come forth, they might, they are spiritual in a certain context. But what I'm saying is this, also very practical, nuts and boats, nuts and boats. And, uh, but it takes all of those to keep everything together. Amen. When God made you, he made you spirit, body and soul. There is a very natural, practical side of you, and there is also a very spiritual side of you. But you are the combination of all of that. And so we try, amen, to minister to both aspects from time to time. Amen. Jeremiah 42, thank you for standing. Sorry as I ramble. Verse 15, the Bible states these words. If I turn the page, I'll get there better. And now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. If you can't tell, I've been in Jeremiah. I'm done with him, so we'll move on, okay? I've been in Jeremiah reading. I read Mark. Now I'm probably going on to Acts. But nevertheless, that's where I've been, so here we are. God's been speaking through Jeremiah. And now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah. Everybody say, remnant of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, if you wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt and go to sojourn there, Then it shall come to pass that the sword which ye feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine, whereof ye were afraid, shall follow close after you there in Egypt. And there ye shall die. Verse 17. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt, to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them the synopsis real quick is this there is a remnant there are a few left of the land of Judah and there is some they are contemplating going into Egypt because they are fearful if they stay in the land of Judah they're going to be met with war and famine they're going to be overtaken by the Babylonians because it's already the Jerusalem's already been destroyed at this point in time so they're thinking what should we do with the remnant of Judah we'll take it to Egypt we'll, we'll cause it to capitalize upon Egypt it's going to take me a little while to build this tonight maybe are you willing to take the trip with me because this is not like this is not like David and Goliath, the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace that some may be familiar with. I guarantee you, you didn't read this story whenever you was a little boy in Sunday school class. And they didn't teach this in Sunday school class. So this is more obscure. But uh, if you're up for the task, I'm up for the task. And tonight, concerning that, now go to verse 19. You thought I was done with didn't you? Verse 19, commercial. The Lord has said, this is Jeremiah speaking to them. The Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. And if the Holy Ghost will help me, tonight I want to minister this thought. If there be any praise left. It's the remnant that were left if there be any praise left amen I hope the Holy Ghost will help me things sometimes are real clear in my mind if they can only be as clear coming out my mouth amen but I guarantee you it will not be for lack of preparation or study or fasting I guarantee you that amen Holy Ghost help us right now Father, I need you, Jesus, in this place. God, I pray, oh, Lord, that you would convey, Lord, what you desire to have conveyed, Lord Jesus, to this people. I pray, oh, Lord, that you're able to help us right now. God, you're able to lift, Lord God, this obscure passage, Lord, out of your word. Help me, O oh Lord Jesus, to be able to convey it, Lord, in a timely manner. God, your people, Lord, to grasp it, to be able to understand it. God, and whenever we leave this building, I'll give you the praise and the glory for what you have accomplished and for what you have done. God I'm just an instrument God Lord that lacks much but God your spirit is rule Lord the ruler of my soul God and you're able Lord to do all things well God and I give it to you and leave it to you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen the church say amen amen you may be seated tonight in Jesus name if there be any praise if there be any praise left if there be any praise left I'm going to try to track here with you tonight so that you understand the story since it isn't one that you're real familiar with I know many times I talk very quick and I'll probably that is my default stage and I'll try to do I told my wife the other night I was uh, had done some stuff and I was listening to pastor carpenter preach and he preaches he talks so slow to my estimation I told my wife I said if I talked as slow as him I could have two sermons from every sermon I preached so I guess I'm going to have to ask the elder to teach me how to do it, to talk just slow like this. and do, I just don't have it. I just really, I can't, I'm trying to find it in me. Amen. But one of these days, maybe I'll get it right. Whenever I get owed and I get dentures and I'm trying to keep them in my mouth, maybe I'll speak slower so they don't flop out. Amen. You'll maybe be here to be able to experience that one of these days. Amen. But until then, here we are. If there be any praise left. Again, this is an obscure an obscure passage, an obscure story. Most people, whenever they start their Bible reading at the beginning of the year, they're not going to start out in the book of Jeremiah. They're going to pick the Psalms or the Proverbs or something like that. They're not going to start out in the book of Jeremiah. As a matter of fact, some may leapfrog over Jeremiah. It just doesn't seem to have much application to them, so they would think. But at this point of time in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is dealing, as we already have Looked at in previous sermons that we've taken from Jeremiah recently that he is a prophet, he is a man of God during some very troublesome times concerning the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel at this time is divided into two kingdoms. It's not one right now, but it's divided into two kingdoms. There's a northern kingdom that is comprised of ten tribes, and there is a southern kingdom that is comprised of two tribes, Benjamin and Judah. It's when we read of these two, the ones that are stationed, the ten tribes that are stationed in the north have as their capital at this time, Samaria. Those that are in the south, those that are the southern kingdom known as Judah at this time have Jerusalem for their capital. We know tonight, and I'm just going to just get this out of the bag so that you can follow along with me. You've already heard my title, If There Be Any Praise Left, and I'm talking about the remnant of Judah. If you put the two together, we know from enough sermons that we've heard in times past. But if you don't, that Judah is the tribe whose name means praise. Praise. Amen. As an individual, Judah as an individual, whenever his mother bore him and gave birth to him, his mother Leah said, Now will I praise the Lord when she had given birth to Judah. As a matter of fact, prior to Judah, she had three other sons that was given unto her. Amen. Uh, And she began to give birth. And the first one she had was Reuben. And when he was born, she said, The Lord hath looked. Everybody say "Look." Lord hath looked upon my affliction and then she gave birth to Simeon and the Bible says that she said the Lord hath heard everybody say heard she hath heard that I was hated the Bible says whenever she gave birth to Levi she said this time will my husband be joined unto me or that the Lord had taken something that was separated and he joined something back to her but whenever Judah was born she says now I will praise the lord because in reality folks what else can you do when the lord's already looked heard and joined something back into your life what left is there to do but to praise the lord if he's already looked at you in your affliction and heard that you was hated and joined something back to you that was separated there's nothing left to do but praise and that's what she says i will praise the lord amen you're have to walk with me here for a little bit, and I hope this turns out right. God, you help me now here. Now, Judah, when we understand Judah, the Judah that's in Jeremiah's day, the region of Judah, the people of Judah, that's in Jeremiah's day, they pale in comparison greatly to the Judah of Genesis and to the Judah of Joshua's day and to the Judah of the judges. They pale in comparison greatly. Jerusalem, their capital according to Jeremiah has just been destroyed by the Babylonians that's Jeremiah 39 everything that Jeremiah said would happen concerning Jerusalem and the Babylonians did happen just as he predicted it the temple has been ransacked it is in totally uh, demolition mode if you will it's been torn down set afire it's left in a most desolate condition because of the Babylonians the majority of Judah has been carried off to Babylon. The majority of the people has been carried off to Babylon according to the word of God except for a few that were poor, a few that were weak men and women and children of that region. They were left there. And so Jeremiah has a very monumental task in ministering during this era of time. He has a very great responsibility and it wasn't difficult for him Due to, per se, God lacking in something or God lacking on his part. But this was very difficult for Jeremiah because it was largely due to having to deal with an unfaithful Judah. An unfaithful Judah. Jeremiah lived during some very troublesome times here. He, he was a prophet during the time, the Bible says, of King Josiah's reign. Who was Josiah that is the last faithful king that Judah had in Judah's history and after that moment in time of Josiah, things began to spiral downward. Judah became less faithful than what she had once been. Amen, their regard for the temple in Jerusalem had fallen somewhere. The regard for the God of the temple had fallen somewhere. And as a result, the Bible describes that there was war. And there was famine that came and ravaged the land of Judah. People from Judah had scattered in every the four directions, if you will, of the earth. They had dispersed from Judah into places like Moab, into places like Edom. And lastly, lastly, upon the destruction of Jerusalem, the Bible says that the masses of the Judeans were taken as captives to Babylon. Taken many of them against their will to Babylon. However, and I got to tell the story because I doubt too many. If you know it, we'll just go on. But I, I'm doubtful of this tonight. Amen. However the Bible says, whenever the king of Babylon came and took the majority if you will, of Judah away except for the poor except for the weak men and women and children. The Bible says that the Babylonian king left those poor, left the weak of Judah there, named a man to be governor over them who was a Judean by the name of Gedaliah he was to be governor over the poor and the weak of Judah that was left in the land of Judah because the king of Babylon is thinking this and I want you to hear me clearly the king of Babylon is thinking this I'm going to leave the weak and the poor of men, women, and children because what threat can a poor, weak Judean bring? You got to track with me tonight and keep in your mind the equality between Judah and praise. What threat can a poor, weak Judean bring? I mean, they're the poorest. They're the lowest. They're, they're, if you will, just something that's dangling there. Some little remnant that's left there. Their energy is low. Their resources are low. What threat can that be to the kingdom? So I don't have to take them to Babylon. I'll just leave them right where they are. Yet the Bible says... Whenever others that were dispersed among the Ammonites and others that were dispersed among the Edomites and others that were dispersed among Moab, whenever they heard that the king of Babylon had left a group of the poor and the weak of Judah there, the Bible says they started coming out of these other cities and coming out of these other places and they started to return to Judah. That which had been scattered, that which had been driven away, that which had fled from Judah, now were returning to Judah. Amen. Those those who somewhere along the way said you know what it would be best for us to be elsewhere now says well since there is still yet a little nucleus if you will at Judah we're going to return back to Judah. We're going to go back to that land. I, 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 I feel like I need to do explanation, I guess, along the way. What I'm trying to convey here along the way is that it was the weak and the poor of Judah. That if I put it in terms for the purpose of the message tonight, it was as though the king of Babylon was saying this, what good is any poor or weak praise? What good is any poor or weak praise? That's really not going to have bearing on anything. So I'll just leave it alone. Yet the story is this, is whenever others who had been a part of Judah, but scattered and dispersed, heard there was a nucleus that was in existence, they started going back to praise. They started returning to their roots. Is everybody tracking with me all right? And so this is how the story begins to unfold. And the Bible says, and it's a long story. Amen, story time. It's a long story. But remember here, Gedaliah, amen, is over this nucleus group that's left in Jerusalem. They're poor, they're weak, they're men, they're women and children. But what threat are they? The Bible says that another man by the name of Johanan, amen, came to Gedaliah. Get, Gedaliah, I'll get these names. They're not the best, all right. Gedaliah came to him and said this. said, Gedaliah, I know that you have this nucleus of Judah that's left. He says, but I'm here to inform you. I got word that Ishmael is going to show up in a few days. And Ishmael is going to try to take an attempt to take your life and kill you. He wants to kill you. And if you allow me, Gedaliah, I would like to kill him before he has a chance to kill you. I'd like to take him off the globe before he has a chance to kill you. He's worried. Uh, Johanan is worried about the remnant of Judah. He's worried about those that are under the hand of Gedaliah. He's worried about the poor weak men, women, and children that were left at Jerusalem. Not only that, he's worried about the people that were scattered and dispersed that are coming back to Judah now. Because see, that's going to ruin everything if they don't have a governor. That's going to ruin everything if they don't have a leader. And so I'd like to take out this man that's going to try to take you out so that we can keep what's left of Judah intact. So we can keep the poor together, we can keep the weak together because it would bother me if Judah were to perish this is what he said in chapter 40 and verse 15, it would bother me if Judah were to perish altogether you know what he's saying He said we're better off with a weak and poor Judah than no Judah at all he says so what I'm trying to safeguard here is the perishing of prey. Altogether. Someone say amen. Uh, He said, I'm trying to protect that. But Gedaliah, he wasn't worried about it. He didn't see really no real threat. And the Bible says, just as Johanan said, Ishmael came. And guess what? He killed Gedaliah. He's a dead man. And as a result of that, he also killed some of the people that was with him. And the Bible says there were 80 men. You can look in chapter 41. That there were 80 men that came. Amen, to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. They came to Jerusalem. They came from Shechem they came from Shiloh they came from Samaria these are all northern Israel tribes these are people from the northern kingdom they came the Bible says their beards were shaved they said that their clothes were rent it says that they came with offerings and they came with incense in hand and the Bible says they also came and they had cut themselves as well they came to Jerusalem they came to Jerusalem after Jerusalem has been destroyed they come to Jerusalem to the land of Judah after Jerusalem Jerusalem has been destroyed they're coming down during a moment of time of a divided kingdom and Jerusalem is destroyed but they come with their sacrifices they come with their offerings to offer them up at a ruined pile at Jerusalem at the temple amen they're celebrating the feast of tabernacles when they're remembering their travel through the wilderness after they've been delivered from bondage and they're coming with all these things shaved beards rent clothes all that is just perfect picture perfect amen for the Israelites but the Bible Says they cut themselves too. Well, see, that's not right. That's them already adopting some of the things of the other other nations around them and gods. And so what we have here is compromised praise. Compromise praisers. Ishmael sees, the, sees them. He's already killed Gedaliah. And the Bible says he kills all 80 of these people except 10 of them that, that had something they could bargain with, barley or oil or honey, something that they had to offer. But he kills them all except for that 10. And Ishmael, everybody, I know this is a long story, but it's worth it. And The Bible says, though, Ishmael comes to a place, now listen, Jedediah was to be governor over the Judeans that remained and to stay at Judah. All right? Ishmael comes. He wants to get the people, and he wants them to take them to the land of Ammon. He's opposed against the Babylonians. He doesn't want to be under their thumb or their rule, although Jeremiah prophesied that's the way it would be. And so Johanan, the one who wanted to kill Ishmael, he says, you know what? I can't let this happen. I can't let this go. He can't take them off to the land of the Ammonites and Johanan. Johanan intercepts Ishmael as they are on their way to the land of the Ammonites and he, he intercepts them and whenever the people of Judah see Johanan, the Bible says they trade places with being under Ishmael and come over and put themselves under the organization of Johanan and the Bible says whenever they shifted that there were mighty men at war and there were women and there were children and there were units that come under the hand of Johanan, but Ishmael got away. Now, do you all remember this Bible story? I know. So, Ishmael, though, got away. Now, here it is. Remember, Johanan is the one that says, I know, this is long. I, there is no way getting around this. Johanan says this. Remember, he didn't want to see Judah perish. I don't want to see Judah perish. But he's also not convinced that she can survive where the people are in Judah. Someone watch me right now. Because Judah suffered too much war. Judah suffered too much in harm's way. Judah suffered too much famine. Dehadiah is dead. The king of Babylon's probably wondering what's going to go on concerning that. He's probably going to start pointing some blame. There's been too much war. There's been too much famine for them. I don't want to see Judah perish, but I don't think she can survive where she's at. Oh, someone say amen. And so as a result of this, here's the story. Gedidai was going to stay in Judah with the Judeans. Ishmael was going to take them away to the Ammonites. But Johanna... Headed, the Bible says, with intentions of going to Egypt with what was left of Judah. Is everybody doing all right? Now there is a, listen to me, there is a vast difference. Listen to me. There is a vast difference in being carried away as a captive to Babylon or being carried away as a captive to the land of the Ammonites compared to willfully becoming a resident of Egypt a captive is held somewhere against their will a resident went there by their own will what Johanna was saying I don't think Judah can make it as a captive in the land of praise too much war too much famine I think it'd be better for her to willfully go with us down to Egypt. Folks, that was against everything that God wanted. That's against everything that God had prescribed. Anytime God had a nation or a people go down into Egypt, if it was by his okay, then it was okay. But anytime a person decided to go down into Egypt of their own will and their own volition, God didn't smile upon it. God didn't put his stamp of approval upon it. And here's a people that should not be going down into Egypt right now because God didn't say to go down into Egypt. And so they are, if you will, They're wanting to go back to a place that they had once been incarcerated by. Once that they had been in bondage by. Once where blood of a lamb had to be shed in order to get them out of. And so here it is. After the fall of Jerusalem. Amen. We have all of this that is taking place. And now they're under the hand of Johanan. And we've got, the Bible says, from the least To the greatest. Because now not only do we have the poor, amen, and the weak of the women and the children, but now he's acquired some of the mighty men of war. The Bible even talks about there were some king's daughters now that were there. So now we have Judah, not just the least of Judah, we have the greatest of Judah. We don't just have the least and the poorest of praise, but we have the greatest of praise. That's under the hand of Johanna. Someone say amen. And this is what he says now note you can read it in chapter 41 toward the last verse they are stationed on their way to Egypt in other words Johanan has already made his decision we're going to Egypt but before he goes he does just like any good saint sarcasm underlined there and he drops by Jeremiah and says would you pray for us Verse 43, and tell us where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do concerning the matter. And we'll follow and be totally obedient to whatever the word of God says. Jeremiah says, I'll seek the Lord for you, and we'll find out. The Bible says 10 days later. That just goes to show you that God doesn't necessarily speak in the moment. It was a 10-day delay before God spoke to him concerning their need. That's beside the point. Ten days later, he showed up to them, and he basically told them this. He says, I know, because they came to him. They said, listen, Jeremiah, we are only a tiny remnant right here. We are less compared to what we were before. Praise isn't what it used to be. Praise is not what it used to be. We've suffered a lot from war. I'm putting it together best I can. We've suffered a lot from war. We've suffered a lot from famine. We're not what we used to be. We still got some great ones. We got a bunch of weak ones too. We got a lot of poor ones too. And so we're not what we used to be. What should we do and where should we go? But his foot's already headed toward Egypt. Someone say amen. Can I speak to that just real quick? That Johanan already had a decision that was made. And what he's really doing, seeking after the prayer of Jeremiah, is trying to find something to confirm a decision he's already made. And Jeremiah comes back and he basically says this in so many words. He says, listen here, if you will stay where you are, if you will stay where you are, he said God will plant and build some things with you right here. If there be, if I say it like this, he's saying, if there be any praise left, let it remain. I don't care how weak it is. I don't care how poor it is. I don't care how the numbers are small. If there be any left, let it stay right here, and God will build you where you've suffered from warfare, and God will plant you where you have suffered from famine. But praise got to stay right where praise is at. Judas got to stay right where. I'm gonna say, man, Judas got to stay right where Judah is says that's the word of the Lord for you he says but you know what he says he's a man of God he says I detect though you've already made your mind up I detect you've already made a decision before you come to meet me this day and if you disobey what I say he says and you go down to Egypt the very war that you feared in Judah is going to find you in Egypt the very pestilence that you feared in Judah it's going to come to you in Egypt and where you would have had mercy if you stayed where you're at he said it'll be without mercy if you go to Egypt what are you saying tonight brother McGee I'm saying in this house I don't care what war has come your way I don't care what famine has knocked at your door and maybe it squelched out every bit of praise in your life and in your home and in your family but if there be any praise left in your mouth if there be any praise left in your life don't remove it don't annihilate it don't remove don't Someone say amen, because I got a feeling God will cause you to grow up right where you were afflicted. God will cause you to prosper right where you suffered warfare. You might feel weak and poor, but God says I'll do a work right where you were attacked and cause something to come out of this. If there be any praise left. Someone say amen. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. say amen he says if you go down to Egypt he says the weak and the poor the king's daughters the men and the women the children he says all of them not one of them not one of them will survive amen if you go down to Egypt if you take what is left of praise and you expend it on Egypt God I hope I'm making myself clear if you expend it on Egypt He says you are in essence destroying yourselves because Egypt will consume whatever praise you've got left. Sometimes we have times in our life that praise is weak. Praise is lacking. Praise is on a deathbed. And it's a lie for us to think to take whatever praise we got left and lavish it upon Egypt, the world. He says, if you take what praise you have left and you misallocate it and you expend it upon the world, he says, it's gonna take it from you. It's gonna leave you dead. It's gonna leave you without hope. It will perish. Let me say it like this. Whenever praise is weak, that's not the time to miss church and spend it on the world. That's not the time to take those efforts and put it on the world. Whenever things are going wrong and topsy-turvy in your family and life, that's not the time to hang your harp on a willow and say, you know what, I'm gonna stay home or I'm gonna go do this and do that. You know what you're taking? You're taking whatever praise you got left and you're expending it on Egypt. And God says if you put it on Egypt, it's gonna take you. It's gonna consume you. It's gonna annihilate you. But, Brother McGee, I just got a poor, weak praise. Honey, I'd rather have a poor, weak praise than a misplaced praise. Someone say yes. what their response though back to Jeremiah was we're headed to Egypt, that's where we're going and this was their words, you can read it for yourself in Jeremiah 43 and verse number 7 I believe it is, hallelujah rather verse number 17 we want to do whatever we want to do we want to do whatever we want to do So we're going back to the flesh pots of Egypt. We're going back to the gold and the silver of Egypt. We're going back to the riches and the grandeur of Egypt. He says if that's where you'll place your praise, that's what will take all of your praise. If that's where you expend your life and lavish your affairs, it will not leave you with a drop. It will rape all of that from you. He says, but if you stay here where praise needs to be, I'll bolster that praise that's weak and feeble. I'll bring strength back to it. I'll bring, if you will, everything that's been taken, everything that's been destroyed, everything that's been stripped to your life, and I'll add it back to you. But if there be any praise left, then leave praise right where it's at and exercise it. Live there. He says if you'll remain he says I'll build you up if you remain I'll plant you those are nothing more but metaphors for renewal those are nothing but metaphors for refreshing hallelujah because what is left of Judah if it goes down to Egypt shall be consumed now here we go you can look at it in Jeremiah 44 verses 26 and 27 you can look in your Bibles We're just really here from Jeremiah 40, about Jeremiah 45, 46. Read it when you get home tonight. So you can put together the pieces of my little story. You know what? Johanan and them begin to say, watch me now. You know what Jude began to say? Jeremiah. Whenever we were all for sacrifices to false gods, whenever we did those things, everything was well in our houses. Yeah. When we caroused, huh? Everything was good. We offered our little pinch of sacrifice to false gods. Everything was going well. But the moment. The moment we started expending our praise on God. This thing went down a black hole. Started having war. Started having famine. Started having problems in the home. Started having problems with finances. Started having problems with my wealth and my health oh I'm preaching right now I feel the Holy Ghost start feeling problems with my health and my wealth as long as I did what I wanted to do and sacrifice to the things that were other than God everything was well at the house I had all the money I wanted when I didn't have to pay tithes I, I had everything that I needed food on the table the health of my body seemed to be right we got along in the family there was no schism everything seemed good then but the moment that I started serving and praising God everything went south I lost my health my wealth we bicker and fight every once in a while there's tension in the home So See, they were trying to qualify going down to Egypt by saying it was good when we were in Egypt. It was good whenever we lived that life. And if we can get back there, it'll solve all our problems. Everything will be well, honey. But that's not what Jeremiah said. He said if you go back to that stuff, the famine that you fear is going to eat you up there. The war that you fear is going to eat you up there. It's going to find you and it's going to come without mercy and it's going to devour you. You need to stay where praising is and you need to exercise it right there if there be any praise with don't waste it on Egypt honey you got weak praise in this house and you're thinking about backing out of some things concerning the church you're not going to be better off it may seem like a pot of rainbow, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow to start with, but it's not going to be better off. Your days are numbered. Here, Pastor, tonight, your days are numbered. You think, well, I'll take care of this little issue in my body if I just go back to the world because I didn't have no issue before. Your days are numbered. All right. All right, God. Honey, if you think experiencing affliction in your body with mercy is bad, how about having it without mercy? Uh, somebody hear this preacher right now, I'm trying to get to somebody's heart tonight. If there be any praise with, I don't care how strong you think it is or how weak you think it is. If there be any left, you expend it right here in the house of God. You expend it right in the middle of your trial. You expend it right in the middle of the warfare. You expend it right in the middle of the pestilence because I've got a word from heaven. He said he had build me up. He would plant me. Somebody needs to stand to their feet tonight and open their mouth. And whatever praise they got left, they need to issue it forth in this place. Whatever praise they got left, they need to let it fly out their mouth. Don't you dare waste that on Egypt. Don't you dare. Do- Honey, when you go around and all you can talk about is the warfare and the pestilence and the affliction on your body, you know what the enemy does? He zeroes in on that and says, you know what? They're a good candidate for persuading to get down to Egypt. That's alive from the pits of hell. You need to lift up your voice, lift up your mouth, and let a praise. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my Watch me now. Because this is what the prophet was telling them. The war that you feared in Judah, that same war will find you in Egypt. The pestilence that you feared in Judah, that same pestilence will find you in Egypt. The famine that you feared in Judah, the same famine you'll experience in Egypt. Now note where all this was going to come from. They were afraid. Johanan was afraid of Babylon coming and inflicting the thumb upon them putting that strong thumb upon them. But this is what Jeremiah said. You're afraid that Babylon is gonna come into Judah. And put you in shackles. Put you in chains. Squeeze the praise, if you will, out of you. He says, but I'm here to tell you. If you go to Egypt, that very same Babylon is going to come to Egypt and squeeze all of that out of you. What was the man of God saying? He was saying this. That it is safer to dwell in Judah than it is to live in Egypt. It's safer to keep right where you are, even with a weak, poor praise, than to go down in Egypt. Someone say amen. God, I didn't know I was gonna go here, but I'm going there. Is this all right? Somebody here, the pastor tonight. Jeremiah. Seven. I think it's seven. Jeremiah 7, I think it is. Verse number 10. I might have to look it up. I don't have it up here, it just came to my mind. I'll look it up and I'll give it to you here in a minute. And still preach about it. The Bible says there in chapter number 44. The wise were making these cakes unto these gods of Egypt, they were already practicing this. These gods of Egypt that basically said, don't you know we were doing this, Jeremiah, to the gods of the Egypt? Our husbands knew about it. That's important. That's so important because, I'm going to find it. Too. That's so important because even in the book of Leviticus, and I don't have that verse up here either, But I know it's in Leviticus, I can tell you that was certain. In The book of Leviticus, whenever a woman made a vow unto the Lord, it could be either accepted or rejected by her husband. He had the power to accept or reject his wife's vow, whether or not it was acceptable or unacceptable meaning whatever direction she turned see what this was trying to take care of was the Garden of Eden scenario that if she said I'm going to make a cake to a false god with its image imprinted upon it the man of the house had to say either that's okay dear or it's not happening in this household we might preach it all again here sometime I don't know but I'm trying to get to my scripture I know I got it in here somewhere. Is everybody doing alright? Glory, glory I'm going to find it. You okay with that? <laughs> I got to, I just got to here we go, I got it did you Did you already read it honey? Did you really? 7, 8, you're right my God, the anointing's on her listen to me so he had to give the okay whether or not she was to do that or So whenever she said, I've baked cakes into them. And she said, then you can look at it in Jeremiah 44. My husband don't have no problem with it. He knew about it. Mm -mm. I tell you what, we need some teaching and learning from the priest of the home down to the child of the home. Because you might say, well, Pastor McGee, if I have praise left, I'm not doing that. But what you're endorsing others in your family to get by with. if you're endorsing your wife being able to make a cake with the impression of a goddess upon it to a false god it's the same thing that you have done it yourself look at it I'll tell you why do we gotta get this thing right about what we do with the praise that is left the bible says sister McGee was right Jeremiah 7 and verse 18 I just didn't go far enough whenever they got involved can you put it up there Jeremiah seven eighteen. I don't know if my sweet daughter can do it, but honey, I'm going to depend upon you, have faith in you and the Holy Ghost, you can do it. Jeremiah seven eighteen. I got it up there too. Look what the scripture says. This is what happens. Someone hear me? This is what happens when there's skewed issues about what you want and what you need or want to do with what's left to praise. Look at it, follow it. The children gathered the wood and the fathers kindled the fire and the women kneaded their dough. Who does that leave out in the family? Who does that leave out in the family? In other words, when they made these things to false gods, the children had a part in it, the mothers had a part in it, and the fathers had a part in it. They all had skewed priorities concerning what they should do with the weak, poor praise that they had. And they said, we're going to take it down to Egypt. And they got their children involved to get the wood. Honey, go get some wood. Mama needs to have a fire, and we can't have without wood. And that poor innocent child is trucking down the hill to fell a tree, to bring back a few cords of wood, to do something for Mama. Someone hear me right here. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody hear me right here. Do you know what's going on? Our children are blindly doing things, not because they know what's happening, but they're doing it in honor of you. Because if there is one thing a good old Jewish child knew, he knew that one of the commandments, was that he should honor his father and mother. And they are capitalizing on that to suck their children into something they shouldn't be doing with their praise. But the child sees it as though they're honoring mom and dad. go get some wood, honey. And they're going with a little smile on their face. I'm helping mom and daddy going to get some wood. And that husband with every bit of forethought and knowledge knows exactly what he's doing. He's building a fire for his wife. Can we need some dough and make a cake to a false god? Oh, we're weak. We're tired. We've been through a lot of war and pestilence. When we did this, everything got right. Maybe so. But you're going to take your whole family to Egypt and your whole family's going to die. You're going to take your whole family to Egypt and if they don't get out there, they're going to be raped by Egypt and it's going to take their lives and they're going to be overtaken by pestilence and war and communion. you got to somehow get your focus right with what you should do whenever there's a little bit of praise left. You keep it in Judah. You exercise it in Judah. You expend it in the house of God and you don't waste it on Egypt. I've been preaching for a little while. Stand with me and I'll bring this, attempt to bring this to a close. Someone say My Bible says, from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. When praise is poor and weak, his name is to be praised. When there doesn't seem to be much left of praise, his name. Is to be praised listen don't expend your energies lavishing your praise on Egypt It will not pay dividends kindly to you it will not pay dividends kindly to you so if there be any praise left that was the word of Jeremiah the remnant of Judah to stay at Judah and God will plant and God will build up if you go to Egypt if you waste wasted on Egypt it'll be consumed there Johanan the very thing that you don't want to happen you're afraid it would perish if you take it to Egypt it will perish it will perish there challenging if we embow our heads in this place tonight I'm challenging this group of people here tonight some of you maybe is experienced in a symbolical sense taking the story and of course as I've done tonight raising it to a spiritual level some of you has experienced war you've experienced pestilence you've experienced famine in your home in your family it's affected perhaps you when you're here at the church house perhaps you could just got poor, weak praise right now it's just a remnant it's just Whatever is left. Honey, if I were you, I would take whatever chips of praise, so to speak, that I have left. And I would place it all on the things concerning God. Stated like this, this is not a time to diversify. This is not like your retirement portfolio that you want to have invested in several things. No, you need to be invested in one thing. You need to invest it all in the kingdom of God. Because not just individuals are dependent upon it. Households. Households. Children, men, wives are dependent. So tonight, if there be any praise left in you, if there be any praise left in your life, I'm asking you this evening to come to this altar and pour it upon the Lord. Stockpile it upon the Lord and see if he doesn't plant something and build something which are metaphors for renewal see if he doesn't renew and bring the status and level of your praise from a low point to a high point while you keep praise where praise needs to be kept as you keep judah where judah needs to be sir don't go down to egypt ma'am don't go down to egypt these altars are open tonight I know this was an obscure story, but I hope we've plucked the negative truth out of this today. And I'm asking the people of God to respond tonight. Take whatever praise you got left and lavish it upon the King of glory. Take whatever praise you got left. Brother McGee, it really don't feel like much. I don't care what your estimation is of what it is that you have left concerning praise. You take that little amen. You take that little glory, hallelujah, that half, that half-raised hand, and lavish it upon the Lord tonight. Lavish it upon the Lord tonight it is a spirit of deception that's telling you things were a whole lot better before I ever got in church things were a whole lot better I didn't have as many issues you know what you might not have had as many issues but I guarantee you this you didn't have as much mercy either come on church family come on church family thank you for listening